Welcome to another late week edition of the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. And as you can see in the title of this podcast, it's a very, very special edition, late week style, because uh, there's another issue that happened, cropped up during the week that kept on catching fire with each passing day that literally uh, compelled us to have another edition of the podcast this week. And it's the new teeth that the league have placed into the punishment for flagrant violations, as they say, of the player safety rules. The helmet-to-helmet -helmet contact hits, three of them that took place in week six that, that uh, outraged the offices of the National Football League. Ray Anderson, the executive vice president of the National Football League in terms of football operations, he joined me on Tuesday's podcast before the league handed down $175,000 in fines to James Harrison, Brandon Merriweather, and Dunta Robertson of the Steelers, Patriots, and Falcons, respectively. So we talked about that a little bit on Tuesday, but then with each passing day, as I said, it got bigger and bigger. So I wanted to have a, a very, very special podcast on just this subject. And later on in the podcast, none other than Hall of Famer Rod Woodson will give his thoughts on this subject. And then future Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner will join me in that conversation with Rod. But earlier uh, in the week, I also spoke with the co-chairman of the competition committee, Rich McKay, on his thoughts on this subject and why the league decided to step up the punishments for these types of hits. What types of hits will be uh, in the crosshairs of the competition committee moving forward? And also the thorny issue of instant replay. Here's my conversation with Rich McKay. All right, let's talk about the helmet-to-helmet -helmet topic du jour with the co-chairman of the competition committee, the president of the Atlanta Falcons, Rich McKay, joining us on the new high-definition team cam system. You're, you're the first one, uh, you're sort of planting the high-definition flag here, Rich, on NFL Total I'm Access. not sure I was designed, uh, Rich, for high-definition. <laughs> I think I'm a little better on Flintstones TV, but I'm ready to go. Okay. Well, as they say in the NFL, it is what it is, and you're, on yep. the, you're in the high-definition camera for the first time on team cam in the history of the league. Rich, just, let's just uh, jump right into it. Uh, the Brandon Merriweather hit, I think all fans, all players of the NFL will all agree in lockstep that that uh, hit that he delivered to Todd Heap has got no place in the National Football League. It has absolutely no place in the game. He's been fined for it, and maybe with the, the new toothier uh, penalties, he'd be suspended for it if those were already in place at the time of the hit. But the Dante Robinson hit of your Atlanta Falcons, and also James Harrison, the hit that he delivered to Muhammad Massaquah, a lot of people have problems with this because they believe these were football acts in the midst of trying to separate the football from a receiver, which is the job of a National Football League cornerback in the case of Robinson. And in the case of Harrison, it is the job of a National Football League linebacker to separate the football from a player when they are entering their zone. So can you explain what the exact rules and fractions that took place on those last two hits that we've seen here? Sure, sure, Rich. Let's start with the premise that, that, that they, they are, let's assume they are football acts. It, it doesn't mean they're not illegal by the rules. I mean, there are plenty of rules in play that deal with football acts and still make those, those uh, acts illegal. And the reason is because we're trying to get away from having situations in which players are subjected to unreasonable risk of injury. So in both of those plays, and I really don't want to say which one's right, wrong, or different. One of those guys is our player. But in both of those plays, there's two different rules at play. One is a defenseless receiver rule. A lot of people call it helmet to helmet, but that's really not the way you can call it that anymore because, in essence, it says until a player has completed the act of a catch, 
then you cannot initiate contact to the head or neck area with your shoulder, your forearm, or your helmet. That was expanded two years ago because there were so many hits going on where there was a shoulder hit that was going on to the, to the um, receiver and causing injury. In the other play, what you have is, is the expansion of the rule last year. The expansion of the rule was that if a player has completed the act of a catch, so he's no longer a defended, uh, defenseless receiver, he's now a receiver, but has not had sufficient time to protect himself, then he is protected against a launch. And that is where a player goes upward and, and strikes a, a receiver in either the chest, neck, or head uh, area if his helmet ends up striking the receiver in that area. That was an expansion of the protection. And basically, look at it this way, Rich. These are rules in which people get concerned that you're changing the game. We're not trying to change the game in any way, shape, or form. What the membership is saying is in those instances, we are trying to take the unreasonable risk of injury that we think applies to those receivers and take that out of the game. But the question is, is while we are on the subject of what fans think about changing the rules of the game, it's not just... It's not just fans. Brian Urlacher essentially said with this announcement, you might as well put flags on your hips and call it the National Flag Football League. And the fact is that it does seem to many people that you're legislating physicality that, that makes this game so unique and what people love about the game so much that you're taking it out of play. What do you say to fans like that and criticisms like that, Rich? I say I, I understand it, and it's usually a natural short-term reaction. Uh, when you talk about physicality, I go back to the first Monday night game when, when uh, uh, the Jets were playing the Ravens, and Ray Lewis sealed the game with a play over the middle where he hit Dustin Keller, and about as physical a play as you're going to see. He separates the ball. He does it exactly right. And you know what? There's no penalty there. It's not illegal. He hit with his shoulder. He hit in the chest area. He separated the ball. And uh, Dustin Keller got up, and, and so did uh, Ray Lewis, which is what we want. So I think there are ways that you can be physical in this game. We just need to do it in the confines of not creating an unreasonable risk of injury to the players. Last year, Rich, we passed the rule on the wedge rule, and we said, uh-oh, you can't, you know, people came back to us and said, well, you can't have three or four-man wedges. Won't that mean that kick returns will go down? Aren't, aren't you taking away that part of the game? No. The, the players have adjusted. Kick returns have actually gone up, but we took some of those hits out of the game. So let me talk about enforcement and, and, and also the issue of getting the call right as well as erring on the side of player safety. And that sure. brings an in instant replay into this. I brought this up with Jeff Fisher, your, your fellow co-chair of the competition committee, a few weeks ago, saying that these hits happen so fast and your refs want to get the call so right and err on the side of being safe that you might as well go under the hood and see if hits are actually helmet to helmet. And I want to show you one play from this weekend when Jim Leonard of the New York Jets is called for a helmet to helmet hit on one of the receivers on Brandon Lloyd of the Denver Broncos. But as you can see, there was no helmet to helmet. And this was reviewed because the Jets threw the challenge flag to see if Brandon Lloyd actually made a catch on the sideline. And Mike Pereira was on our show for the last seven years telling me, be careful what you wish for when you review something because when a ref goes under the hood, everything is then reviewable. So why couldn't a flag be picked up after you see under the hood that there was no helmet-to-helmet -helmet contact? Well, to Mike's point, I mean, he, he made the right point. Everything is reviewable that's gone on in that play that is reviewable. Now, that may sound not a very intelligent <laughs> statement, but right. it, uh, it is limited by what we have said as a league and, and a membership we want reviewable, which has been all judgment-type calls that involve the sideline, the goal line, catch-no-catch. Uh, we've stayed completely out of the penalty business because a penalty is, in, in most uh, instances, a judgment call other than 12 men on the field. 
which saved the University of Tennessee probably a couple of weeks ago. But we've tried to stay away from penalties. The reason, Rich, is that, that replay is not a panacea. We're not a, a league that's going to try to get every play and call right. We're going to try to use replay as a complementary system to correct the obvious error on the big, big play. Now, high-definition televisions change that a little bit because people can obviously see more things specifically on the sidelines, but I don't see us as a league that wants to get in the business of having penalties be reviewed. But 15 yards is a very big play. I mean, 15 is. yards a, is 15% of the field, and if, if it's a short field, it's even potentially you know 40% of the field, and on top of it, Instant replays already used by the league later in the week to issue fines to players for helmet-to-helmet -helmet hits that weren't called on the field. So if you're using instant replay after the fact, why not use it in the moment to get the call right and not charge 15 yards against somebody that doesn't deserve it or even maybe get a 15-yard call on somebody who does? Well, there's no question that, that the idea that, that instant replay could get it right is there. But that, that's still not the trade-off that I think the, the membership's willing to take on stoppages. If you remember, we had a system from 92, I think it is, to 98 uh, that got voted out in which we could review every play. And, uh, and, and, of course, what happened is we had so many stoppages, it hurt the flow of the game, and ultimately what the membership said and, and the fans said is, we don't want this system. We want a narrow system. So that's why, in my mind, I don't see us leaving that system. I'm sure it'll be brought up, and your point about it being a 15-yard penalty and a substantial penalty is true. It's the same argument I heard made on the defensive pass interference. Why is defensive pass interference not reviewable? We've always said that's a judgment call. We don't want one person substituting their judgment for another person's judgment. Rich, we appreciate the thoughts as always. Thanks very much. No problem. Thanks, Rich, very much. That is Rich McKay of the competition committee, co-chair of that committee, joining us here on the program. Now let's turn to uh, an A-list panel, if I've ever had one, here on the podcast to discuss this issue, this hard-hitting issue, to uh, make a pun, which you like. You like plays on words, right, Rod Woodson? Yes, I do. Of course I do. <laughs> Hall of Famer Rod Woodson and uh, another guy who's going to have a gold jacket on one day. Yes, he will. In the, uh, in the bust room, none other than Kurt Warner here on the set. Kurt, thanks for joining the podcast. I appreciate that. Man, happy to be here. You bet. So let's start with you, Rod. You're the defensive player. What do you think of these, uh, the new teeth? In the, in the rule book, I guess, right now, or at least in the penalty book for the uh, NFL with these hits. Well, remember, I mean, the helmet-to-helmet -helmet hits have already been illegal. Uh, they're just emphasizing, and I think it was, and I'm all in with that one. I'm all in, you know, the, I think Andy Reid, he, uh, he had a comment earlier this week, and he said that, you know, if you're going to use the helmet as a weapon, those are the ones that are going to be flagged. I mean, the Merriweather hit in that New England Patriot-Raven game was illegal. I mean, it was, I mean, he launched himself off the ground to try to hit Todd Heap. I mean, he just, it seemed like he wanted to hurt Todd Heap, you know. Uh, but the Dante Robinson hit, that's the one I look at and go, that's a tough one for me. I mean, that's a tough one. I don't know if because I'm a defensive player, but that's a tough one because that was a clean hit. Everything you teach a player to do, not to go for the neck, hit in the head, find the, the sweet spot, so to speak, and, and, and make that target right there. He did all that, and he gets fined. And he got penalized for that for um, illegal roughness. So I guess the question is, you know, what's the barometer? How hard can you hit a guy in the National Football League outside of it being head-to-head? -head? What do you think, Kirk? Well, I mean, I'm a little on the other side. That I'm all for protecting the players. I think that's the greatest commodity this game has. I think that's what it's built around is the, the quality of players that we have. And I think any move in the direction of trying to protect those players, especially with the way the game has changed as far as size and speed 
of these players. That it's a violent game, we all know that. But I think the faster and the stronger and the bigger these guys get, the more violent it becomes. And I believe that the league is trying to do what they can. And I believe it's more of a from an intent standpoint. That I think that, again, not that people are trying to intend to hurt somebody, but I think people are trying to intend to hit people really hard. Right. They want to get the big hit. They want to launch themselves. They want to knock people off their feet and have people say, ooh, and ah. And for me, I think that's what they're trying to do, is they're trying to change the intent a little bit that we go back to the fundamentals of what this game is all about and that you know, we don't need the ooh and ah hits for this to be the greatest game out there, that I think we, there's so much involved with it that it's going to be the greatest game because of the players, because of all the different aspects of it. And we don't need the big blow-up hits that are causing so many of these injuries. Well, I think the issue is the whole concept, uh, the concept of intent. Mm -hmm. Because, again, I don't think anybody... The reason why this is such a major issue and there's such an uproar about it isn't because people are in an outraged position because the NFL wants to protect players. Right. They're outraged because they're afraid that there's going to be less physical play in the NFL as a result of this. And the whole concept of intent, I had Ray Anderson, the, the executive vice president of football operations, on my podcast earlier this week. My brother, who's a lawyer, listened to that interview, and he calls me up. He goes, you missed something. But I don't blame you for missing something because it would go over most people's heads, too. But I'm a lawyer. Ray Anderson used the term, this is a strict liability issue, which, again, goes over my head because I'm not a lawyer. But strict liability in the legal sense, which is what I assume he was using it for, means intent doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to the NFL whether you intended to do it or not. If you did it, without the intent of trying to hurt somebody. Right. If you hit somebody in the head when you're trying to make a legal hit, if it grazes them, if it, if it hits them flush out, it doesn't matter to them. They're going to flag it, and they may suspend you for that. And I think that's what a lot of people have a problem with, is that there really is no gray area in, the, in this issue. That It's a strict yeah. liability, and they're going to they're gonna fine you even if you didn't have the intent well, for it. But I don't believe it's a personal intent. I believe it's an overall intent. But I believe the game has changed to the point where it is about hitting people as hard as you can. You heard James Harrison talk about it this week that, yeah, I'm out to hurt people. I'm not out to injure them, but I'm out to hurt them. And I think that's what they're trying to avoid is having a game where guys are out to hurt, to knock the other guy out of the game, to you know, hit him in such a way that they can't come back or they don't play the next week. And it's to go back to let's play good, sound football. Let's hit when you hit. Let's play football, let's catch, let's run, let's do all those things. But let's take that aspect out of it where you're just going to go and try to hit that guy as hard as you possibly can in hopes that you can knock him out of the game. And that's what I mean by intent. It's not, okay, did Rod intend to hurt this guy? It's the culture of our game, I think, is changing because guys are so big and strong that we're looking for those big hits and to knock somebody out as opposed to just playing good sound football. You know, I look at it and I go, you know, where do you, where do you stop it mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, the helmet to helmet, I absolutely 100% agree with the National Football League. You, there's no room for that because we've been talking about concussions for the last several years. We're talking about dementia. We're talking about all the things that can have a long-term effect on a human being's life. But I still go back to the Dante Robinson hit. And it's going to go back, not just Dante Robinson, because now if you're going to say Dante Robinson hit was a violent hit, which it was, then all the violent hits have to be suspended. Every single one that's, on the Nash, that's going to happen in the National League has to be suspended. Kickoffs, punt returns, you know, kickoff team, all those hits when receivers peel back 
Heinz Ward. The Heinz Ward hit. All his hits are going to be. He, well, they be, already he are. He wouldn't have played. He already. He, <laughs> right. he wouldn't have played half his games if those are the way they're going to move forward with this rule. Uh, I just think that somewhere along the line, you know, I say, how do you as a how how do you as a ref determine how hard a hit is? You know, um, the the DB for the Jets. Um, I'm trying to Jim think. Jim Leonard. Leonard. Jim Leonard. This past week. This past week hit a player that was trying to catch the ball on the sideline. Brandon and it Lloyd. was a Brandon Lloyd. Clean hit. And it was a clean hit. Not hit him on the shoulder. Hard. Hit, hit him, him on the shoulder. shoulder. He got flagged for illegal roughness. I'm like, where, where's the league going with this? I mean, because now you're telling players you can't make plays. If he's trying to catch the football and his hands are in the air, you can't make a play. And that's why I think it should be reviewable. And I brought that up with Rich McKay and, I, and also earlier in the week with Ray Anderson. That, and, and Rich McKay says it should not be reviewable. And Ray Anderson ma made it seem like maybe this should be reviewable because it's 15 yards. It's a pretty big thing. And you know refs are going to err on the side of caution. I also brought up the fact about the Robinson hit with Ray Anderson, too, about how, how are you supposed to technically change your style? I mean, if your job is to separate the football from an undersized receiver like Deshaun Jackson coming over the middle, then that is what you should do. And listen to his, his response about whether players should be able to adjust their, their style of play because of these, these new teeth in the new penalties. Give a listen. Uh, you look at any of those plays, the three plays from this weekend, uh, and you can't show me one where a guy was fundamentally trying to wrap up and tackle. Uh, they were all upper body launches. Uh, so the pushback is, Let's get back to the fundamentals. Uh, ironically, I had Mike Haynes in the office today, an all-pro defensive back, uh, who said very clearly, you can adapt. Uh, the, the, the notion that players can't change the way they play to accommodate for higher safety, particularly head and neck injuries, uh, is just not viable. I actually saw Ted Bruschi uh, on, on, on the show uh, this afternoon for a minute saying exactly the same thing, that don't believe them when they say players can't adapt. Roderick, how do you respond to that? Well, first, Dante didn't launch. His feet were planted on the ground. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. Um, did Merriweather launch? Absolutely. Did Harrison launch against Massaquoi? Absolutely. They launched. But it, it still comes back to the clean hit. That's where I'm at. I'm at the dirty hits. Bro, hey, there's no room for that well, of in this league. Not, but can they adapt? Can players really adapt? I mean, Mike. Well, Haynes Mike Haynes didn't talk with anybody. Mike Haynes is in the same. <laughs> Mike Haynes in the same bus room. Oh, he didn't yeah, but he didn't talk with anybody. So I mean, he adapted well. No, I'm just. You know, <laughs> yeah. right. I, I think when he says form tackling, he said nobody tried to form tackle. When a guy's catching a ball over the middle of the field, there's no form tackle for that. There's no, there's no right, wrong, or indifferent with that. You're trying to, as you said, dislodge the ball or break up that play. And is there going to be some violent hits? Absolutely. I don't think you're going to take the violence out of the sport. You're not going to do that. I think you need to clean it up in a sense that, hey, the head-to-head -head hits, when you, you jump off the ground to try to hit somebody, you're going to get fined mm -hmm. and suspended, period. Then I think you'll see some cleaning up, but I think – the Dante hit that I believe was just so – it was one of those hits that you get once in a lifetime, once in a career, that he did it right. He did everything he was taught to do. Yeah, was it his shoulder? But if he wraps up, if he wraps up, he might break his shoulder. So I, I think it's, it's – I understand what they are trying to do, mm -hmm. but that 
that's harder than what people think. And Teddy saying that, Teddy should know better. Teddy should know better saying that you can change. I mean, you've been doing this your whole life. You've been taught your whole life to hit a rising blow on defense. Since you've been 10 years old, if you had a good coach when you were 10 years old, since you've been 10 to your 28, and you're going to say we're going to change in a week, in six days, that's hard to do. And I think you're right. I mean, I think, I think you can change. But, again, we're talking about the launching is, I think, a, a huge key, mm-hmm. is that players are coming in, and instead of doing that six-inch rising blow that you're talking about and having their feet on the ground and, and, and lifting into somebody, they're launching their bodies at people. And, and I just think with the speed and the size of these guys, I mean, it doesn't matter what position anymore. I mean, you can look at guys as receivers, defensive backs, safeties. The size of these guys with the speed that's, you know, the combination of the two, when they leave their feet and, and everything's going into these players is I think where things can change. I think you can still go back to hitting people and hitting people hard, and you're going to have the violence because it's part of the game. But I believe you can change aspects of how you play to be more technically sound which ultimately I believe will protect a lot of these players. Every year at the Combine, they get bigger. It's unbelievable. I mean, you notice it. Yeah. We, we've been doing the Combine now five, six years. Mm-hmm. Every year, Kurt. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Right. You see guys at defensive end that do stuff now that they couldn't, have, they couldn't do three, four years right. ago. With but, just the physical skill level, yeah. how they jump and hit, and, yeah. and you know, the, the quick twitch muscles that you see in all these drills. Uh, it's unbelievable how much bigger these guys are getting right And you now. think about plays that were there 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and how fast windows close. I mean, you, you see it this past weekend. You know, a guy catches the ball, and within a second, somebody's on top of him blowing him up, and they're going so fast, and, and there's so much power, and the collision force is, is amazing that I believe that's where the game has changed, wow. is that there's not as many opportunities to catch a ball and run 10 yards before you get hit because these guys are flying around because there's so much speed on both sides of the ball. Well, you know, I, I look at it and I say, where are all these big hits happening? It's in a passing game. Mm-hmm. You know, linemen are having helmet to helmet every single play. Running backs are getting hit in the head every single run. It's when there's more passing in this league, more spread offenses, guys in space. We're going to have more big hits. So then that leads me to my next question. Thank you, Rod, for leading me to my next question. I was planning to ask you. Uh, it may sound a little odd, but, Kurt, how much, how much is this as a quarterback's fault, some of these hits? There's no question part of them are. I mean, I, I was involved in one a couple of years ago with Anquan Bolden. That was, that was your fault? Well, yeah, it was my fault. Um, you know, that was, was one that of those, fault? It was one of those situations where we were in a tight game. We had to make a play, you know, to try to get back into it. But it was a throw that I had actually a couple times earlier in the game, and I didn't take it because I felt the exact same thing could happen. The window wasn't big enough in this game to put the ball there. I tried to force one in there to get us a touchdown and get us back in the game, and what happened was Anquan took one of those vicious hits. And Well, the reason why he took the hit, though, in a way, too, is he was being contacted from behind as Eric Smith was launched. He did launch himself did launch, yes. towards Bolden, right. and his head, because of the hit from behind, is what dipped, and right. that's create what created the helmet to helmet. So how is well, how is that your but fault? Basically, is because I forced a throw in that I know as a quarterback and having played the game was going to be a t- was going to lead him to get hit. Could he have maybe caught it and then taken a hit and walked away from it? Sure, but I knew when I threw it because of again the way the game has changed that. Those windows are smaller, and to try to force things in there. I mean, you saw this past weekend. You know, Kevin Cobb had one where you can say a bit his fault because he led Deshaun Jackson mm-hmm. in a direction to get hit. Right. But he's avoiding a sack, and you know he's popping up, can't see the whole field, puts a ball out there to Deshaun. But 
you know, that's all part of it is that quarterbacks not being able to see the field, not being able to adjust to the speed, throw balls in positions where they set, you know, their receivers up to, you know, for, for some of these big hits across the middle. And as you said, because the passing game has become more prevalent and you look around the league and there's not a lot of great seasoned quarterbacks that I, I think you're going to see some more of these opportunities for these guys to get hit. Well, because a lot of people, again, to go back to the Bolden hit, a lot of people use that as an example of how this is an unfair penalty against the defender because in many ways when the defender's going to make the play and sees the play in front of him, the position of the hitee changes yeah. because of some other contact that's of no fault to the hitter as he's about to launch, yeah. and yet you still, you say it was your fault. I mean, I, I, I that, believe that, to a degree, but and and I, and I agree that there's a lot of rules in this game that aren't fair, that aren't going to be fair. Mm -hmm. But my bottom line is that a, this is a game, first and foremost, and b, I'm trying to protect, and I hope what the NFL is trying to do by this is protect the greatest commodity, which is the player. And if it has to affect the way the game is played to a degree, I'm all for it because. I retired when I was 39. I've got my whole life in front of me. And that's what I think about when I see these hits is that if the game has to change, it has to change. Well, but then, let's protect the guy so he can have a life after football and not have to worry about some of these issues that we're starting to see, which we think is because of those head injuries or, or the hits that they're taking continually over their career. And you're not only walking away from the game, we see you, you're dancing away from the game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, clearly, clearly Somehow, some way, it was going to go back to that. No, no, no. You knew at some point. But you do bring up an interesting point here, and I'd love for you to give the listener uh, a little bit of a glimpse, the two of you guys, because so, you, you say that, that protect the most viable commodity game, the players. I mean, it's no more noble a concept than that. So then why are so many players so angry about this? James Harrison threatening to retire. Brian Erlacher talking about putting flags uh, on everybody's hips. And, and so many players took to Twitter this week blasting this decision. Rod, can you put... They're all put defensive players. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess in that respect, no, no, yes, but yeah. in a way, you know, the, def the defender and Dante Robinson got carried off just as much as, as Deshaun yeah. Jackson was this week. I mean, he... He took the brunt of it as well. No, and I think the biggest thing for defenders is, you know, we have a, we have a, a sight on a, on a receiver. We're going to hit him right in between the numbers. At the last second he sees us, he ducks helmet to helmet. Whose fault is it? That's the defender's fault. I mean, it's going to be that way all the time. So the defenders are saying, okay, how do we, how do we not violate rules to the in this league, do we hit them low? Because how often do we see quarterback throw the ball in the flat, the guy turns it up the field, and the corner comes and cuts him right in the knees, and he's laying on the ground, and they go, everybody in the room is saying, oh, that's dirty. Oh, that's, well, that's what's going to happen eventually. You're going to start hitting people in the knees saying, I can't hit him high. You know, I can't hit him in the waist. I might hurt myself. You know, so I'm going to hit him in the knees. I'm going to hit him in the knees, and I'll let it go. You know, I just think... I just think that clean hits like Dante, you got to let that go. It's a part of the game. you got to let that one go. The other ones, you don't let go. But I think Dante's hit, you have to let it go and say, you know what? We're going to have some violent hits. It's going to make people cringe when they watch it. It's a part of the sport, but that was clean. And you can't find this guy $50,000 and talk about suspending the next time it happens. I just think clean hits in this league, you can't penalize a guy for doing something right. Yeah. 
But when I but when I hear I but when I when I hear a player say you know this is wrong this is when when the in the league saying we're just trying to protect you, it gives me the, certainly in the seven years that I've I've been fortunate enough to to speak to players like yourselves and and, and your colleagues past and present, that it seems to me that the mentality is this. Football players when they suit up know that they're putting their life and limb on the line. They have no idea what the last hit could be their last career or, heaven forbid, even worse. And that they're willing to take that risk for the love of the game and for the money that they make playing the game. And, and that if you're going to take away their money and their ability to do their job, then they might not as well play. And that's what they're outraged about. That's what it seems like to me when I hear a player complain about these rules. Well, in my opinion, I disagree with that. That if you have that perspective, then I think you're missing the most important thing, is that I love the game too. But I don't think anybody goes out there with the idea that our life is on the line. You don't think about that as a player. You think about it as a game. And the issue becomes when you start to put, take yourself away from okay, I can't hit the way I want to, or, you know, that hit was this and my intent and all of that stuff, is to say, let's step away from the game and understand what's trying to be done here. That nobody wants to sacrifice their livelihood, their life for this game. You know, do they want to play? Sure. Do we like making the money? Do we like all the stuff that comes with it? Sure, we do. But if you take every player away from the game, we don't think about that aspect of it. And I believe that's what the league is trying to do. They're trying to do it with concussions, is that guys say, hey, I'm going to play until somebody throws me out. And somebody steps in and says, hold on a second here. Let's look at what's most important here. And that ultimately this is still a game with a lot of money to be made, great careers, great things that come with it. But ultimately it's a game, and let's protect the player. You know, I don't think anybody chooses to go out there and say, hey, you know, obviously injuries can happen. Obviously it's violent. But we don't think about that aspect of the game, and I think if we thought about it more, then we might all have different opinions on, on how to play this game. Well, I, I know as a, if I was a defensive coach in the National Football League, mm -hmm. the first thing I would say to my defense is that we're going to play fast and physical, and we're not going to apologize to somebody for playing fast and physical. And I think... That's the dilemma you have because that's what, at least I, I would think, that's what good defense coordinators are telling their players. Now, you have to play within the rules, okay? If they're going to say helmet to helmets are illegal, they're illegal, you know? But it's, it's still going to happen in the sport. Um, you know, as a defender, is you can't slow down. Once you slow down, you're going to get hurt, first of all. And then secondly, you're going to lose a job and then your family's going to be hungry. So I think there's a fine line between the players and how they need to adapt to this. Right, and that's, that's why I'm saying when a player is complaining about it, by, say, taking away their money, I mean, if you, finding them. If you're going to find them for trying to do what they're supposed to do, then that's when they've got a problem with it, certainly when they're putting their body. But they're not going to leave the game. They like the checks, Rich. I mean, the first thing I heard, <laughs> oh, about, that's hey, the first yeah. thing I heard James, when I heard James, James Harrison. James can say that if he wants to, but he ain't leaving. He's not leaving. I love his disposition. Mm -hmm. Very similar to Greg Lloyd's. I mean, I, it, that's one of the main reasons he's so good, mm -hmm. because he has that mean streak in him. And, I mean, you go in a dark alley, you want a James Harrison and a Greg Lloyd standing beside you because not too many people are going to mess with you. Mm -hmm. But on the downside of that, you know, he has to understand what they're trying to get accomplished, even though he doesn't agree with it wholeheartedly. Well, I appreciate the thoughts, guys. This is a, an excellent chat.
let's promote what you want to promote too. Let's get that out there, Kirk. What do you want to promote? I don't know what's what going I want on. To promote. What do I want to promote? I don't know. I mean, people, you got people charity voting for me on Dancing with the Stars. You could do that. You could do that if you want. You could do oh, that. Oh man, who, who, how many people are left? Right uh, now? Six? six, seven, seven people left, I think, right now. There so we're we're hanging around, but um, you know, a lot of good things going on. You know, I got some uh, some new children's applications, children's apps, and, and educational things that are coming out through my website at KurtWarner.org uh, around the game of sports and. Mm -hmm. and uh, animated sports balls called the Good Sports Gang. So that's going to be coming out here at the end of the month. So I'm excited about that. But continuing to move forward with my foundation, I'm excited about those things. Um, What's the website again? KurtWarner.org. KurtWarner.org. Yeah. Fantastic. And also follow Kurt on Twitter. There you go. At Kurt13Warner. There you go. Yeah. You can follow on Twitter. We've got to get Rod involved. Uh, get him. Never. I can never, never be a twit. <laughs> People ask me all the time, when is Rod getting on Twitter? We're going to work on him now. Now that I'm on board, I'm going to work go. on him. I think one of my board. kids have an account. Do they really? <laughs> I'll, follow, I'll follow when your kids. <laughs> I think they do. I'll follow. Why don't you find out? Get into it. I'll find out. I'll find out. I think it's my oldest daughter. All right, there you I go. think she does. Rod Woodson and Kurt Warner here on this very special, special edition of the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. And again, we hope you enjoyed this late week edition of the podcast. We'll have a fresh new edition next week. Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks will be one of my guests next week. You can always find this on iTunes as well as uh, my blog, richeisen.nfl.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at richeisen and also on facebook.com slash richeisen. We'll speak with you next week here on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's.